Well, truly good to be with you all. And this morning we are continuing our sermon series uh, through the book of Colossians called Rooted Together. And uh, if you were here uh, last week, I gave you the image of the sequoia trees, uh, the largest trees in the world, over 300 feet tall, some of them the, the oldest living creatures in the world. And you would think something so tall would need roots very, very deep. Well, actually, it's, that's not really true. They only grow about 6 to 12 feet. Well, how do they do it? They send their roots out far and wide, intertwining with the sequoias around them. And it's because of that rootedness together that they have been able to stand and flourish through fires and storms and floods, through anything that might come their way, they're still standing. That's the image we're going for, for the church. And last week uh, we discussed this, this glorious gospel of Jesus. And so I'm assuming uh, a little bit this morning that you have a, a basic understanding, a grasp of how amazing Jesus is, how powerful he is, and what he has done for us. He's our rescuer, our redeemer. to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known to the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So friends, let's pause there and consider how can we grow deeply rooted together in Christ. Well, the first way that we can glean from this passage is to, number one, be centered on the word. Be centered on the word. Right off the bat, Paul says in verse 25, I have become the gospel servant by the commission God gave me to what? To present the word of God in its fullness. Now, for the apostle Paul, this, his mission is to proclaim the word of God. And to him, that specifically for him means this, this gospel of Jesus, this message that Israel's Messiah, Jesus Christ crucified, is the world's creator, savior, and redeemer, and its rightful king. And Paul wants to present and teach the fullness of this message and what it means for us. He wants people to comprehend the depths of of this knowledge. He describes it like a rich treasure that we're invited to seek after and to discover. Now, I mean, Paul simply could have said the shorthand version of the gospel, Jesus is Lord, repent and believe the gospel. 
but no, he wants more. He wants to lead them into the fullness of the word of God. So how does he do it? Well, in verse 28, he tells us, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So what does he do? He establishes a teaching ministry for everyone with the goal that everyone becomes fully mature in Christ. In other words, rooted in Christ together. So this means that learning the word of God, pondering the theological depths of Christ, discerning truth from error, exploring the riches of Jesus through his word, these are not just for seminarians or theologians. This is for all of God's people. We are all to be people of the word, and the emphasis is on all. Whereas my, my seminary professor, Scott McKnight, says this can be translated, admonishing all and teaching all in all wisdom so we can present all mature in Christ. All. Everybody. Every single person. Or as F.F. F. Bruce says, all the truth of God is for all the people of God. We're all invited to explore the depths of this most amazing gospel that we've been given. And so in order to do this, in order to proclaim this gospel, Paul says this teaching ministry kind of has two, two uh, ways, this, this admonishing part and the teaching part. Now, these are a little bit hard to distinguish, but if you had to differentiate them, teaching is more the positive content of the gospel, and admonishing is more specifically warning or correcting, rebuking, reminding, in order to help set somebody's thinking straight. Now, this refers to maybe concepts that we get that are out of alignment with the gospel, like, like a shoulder joint that pops out of socket, a doctor comes in, pff, resets it. That's what admonishing is. And uh, often we don't like this when it comes up, when we are admonished. We'd rather just be left to ourselves, to think for ourselves, and of course we should be critical thinkers, but if left to ourselves, we can get ourselves all out of sorts. Or as N.T. Wright says this, positive teaching may not be enough. There is no telling what muddles Christian minds will get into from time to time. And part of the task of the one who proclaims Christ is to straighten out confusions, to search for and tie together the, the loose ends of half-grasped ideas, so that the positive teaching may not be instantly distorted upon reception, but may be properly understood, appreciated, and lived out. Then it is there that the goal of maturity may be in sight. So we need this positive teaching, but also the admonishing, the correcting, the straightening out of these half-grasped ideas. And isn't that what the Apostle Paul is modeling in this letter? He has taught them the truth of this amazing gospel we talked about last week, but he's also Warning, correcting, don't, don't change this, don't distort this. Re remember that Jesus Christ is crucified for you. He is the, the world's true Lord. So in order to be deeply rooted together, I believe we need to be a community that is centered on the word of God in its fullness. And that's one of our values. That's one of our every values, everything, everything we do. We want to be centered on the word of God. And that, that is why, friends, that I make it no secret that my desire as a pastor is for all of you to be in the Word of God regularly, if not daily. And hopefully to be doing that in community, texting, emailing, discussing. We teach and admonish one another through the Word. 
You know, if our, if our life together in Christ is truly like a plant or a tree, we need a constant supply of water. And I'm afraid many Christians, the only water they're getting is once a week. And maybe if, if that. And friends, you need water every day. You need the word of God every day. We need that in our lives. And so I, I encourage everyone to join the church in our daily Bible reading. Whether you're doing the 90-day challenge or not, you can join anytime. You can find our plan online at our website. By the way, we have 34 women, or 34 women and 24 men doing the 90-day challenge. And frankly, I'd love to see that number double or triple in this next year when we do it again. Because I think it's that vital that we do this together and intertwine our roots as we uh, do that over the Word of God. And so, look, this, this is not a, a command, and you, you shouldn't feel like you're, you're sinning if you miss out on your Bible reading. I miss out on days. My, my, two, my two groups I'm in know that I miss out on some days, and I catch up. But we are in it together regularly over the Word of God. And I tell you, it is, it is life-giving and vital for us to do this. We want to be a community centered on the Word of God, drinking regularly from its life-giving power so that we can stay rooted together in Christ. So that's, that's number one, how to be rooted together, centered on the word. Number two is contending for one another in Christ. Contending for one another in Christ. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in verse 29. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. What is he working towards? To what end? This proclaiming of the gospel and presenting everyone mature in Christ. That is what I'm contending for. Now, this word contend, this is from this fear of uh, athletics. It comes from uh, athletic contests. In other words, Paul is saying, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm running for. I'm running a race for you. I'm sparring for you. I'm competing for you. I'm fighting for you. And I'm not only that, but I am doing this, he says, strenuously. And that's a word that means doing labor to the point of exhaustion. <laughs> Paul's ministry, he is saying, as I, I picture that runner who's running as fast and as hard as they possibly can to get to the finish line by, and beating out all other competitors. That's what Paul's saying. That's what I'm doing for you. And Paul knows there are other competitors. There are things that vie for their attention and their affection. There, are, there is the enemy who prowls around. There are these other false teachers coming up in the church. And he's saying, no, I am going to fight for you and for the truth of this gospel for you. And Paul often told his churches that this is what he was doing for them. He reminded the Thessalonians, I'm working night and day. I'm working night and day for you as to not be a burden for you. And Scott McKnight says that when Paul says this, he is detailing uh, uh, his entire way of life, his pastoral care for the people his physical labor as a tent maker, his intellectual reading and prayer, his pondering, his discussions, his letter writing, and his immense travels. And then Paul brings this up again in the very next verse, in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I want you to know, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. I mean, this is amazing. Paul says, I am fighting this hard for everybody who's not even met me. I've never even met you, and I am fighting for you as hard as I possibly can. Wow. How could Paul have the energy to do this? How was this even possible? Well, he tells us in verse 29, 
To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. See, Paul knows the gospel. He has discovered the riches of this gospel that because of his connection to Jesus, he has an energy that's beyond his own. He has a strength that's not his own. He's drawing from resources that are not his own. And so Paul could night and day strenuously contend for all the churches because Christ was energizing him. Friends, don't you need that type of energy? Don't you need that energy working powerfully in in you? Paul sunk his roots deep down into Christ. He had a, a great prayer life. He meditated on the truths of Scripture and the gospel. He had friends who supported him in ministry. He had the right rhythms so that he could keep working night and day for this glorious gospel and for the good of the church. And I'll be honest, when I initially outlined, I usually outline my sermon, sermon series well in advance. I look through the whole uh, book and kind of put together my main points and give that out to the teams. Uh, but I, I, initially, I did not have this in there because I didn't notice it. Uh, you know, it's not, it's, not just, it's not just written in there that you should contend for one another in Christ. It's not, it's not just written like that. But I quickly realized how the Colossians so needed the Apostle Paul to be fighting for them in their corner. That the church needs people, needs leaders like this who will say, come hell or high water, I will contend for these people. We need people in our corner like that, don't we? Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that this is how I feel about this church. This is how I feel about you. That I want to work night and day because I so value this community of people, each and every one of you. And I I want to see us thrive. I want to see this church thrive more than it's ever have. I want to see us growing spiritually and reaching the lost. And I want to see us more and more mature in Christ. That is how much I value you. And I'll be honest, sometimes it's a burden because I I wake up in the middle of the night with ideas. I wake up at 3 in the morning and I have to turn my lamp back on because I need to write write it on my to-do list. Oh, don't forget to bring this up in the next meeting because I so value this church. I'm con- you're constantly on my mind. You're constantly in my heart. This church means so much to me, and I work so hard because I want to see Faith Covenant Church be all that we can be in Jesus Christ. Yet not I, yet not I, but Christ in me. And for a church to be deeply rooted together, this, we need this type of mentality, I believe, not just from the senior pastor, but from everybody. To be a church that's, that says, we're going to fight for each other. You know, and I sometimes, I sometimes tell other pastor friends, gosh, you won't believe how much this church has done together in the past couple years. If I, if I wrote it all out for you, you would think that we were crazy uh, because we have just been able to do so much together. Uh, this, this mentoring program that we started for confirmation students. Uh, the new governance and ministry structure, uh, structure our once-in-a-generation building campaign, uh, new staff, new small groups, new outreaches, new ministry, not to mention getting online and navigating a pandemic and worshiping outside. We've done all of that together. Any one of those could divide a church. In fact, I saw, I saw an article that said, the top two things that can end a pastor's ministry, redoing your governance and redoing the building. We did both of those at the same time in the middle of a pandemic. Isn't God good? There is a, there is, this is a community that says, we're going to stay together. We're going to fight for each other. Because we have leaders at every level contending for this community. You have children's leaders, youth leaders, 
who didn't give up, who kept ministering over the past year. You have worship leaders and tech people who uh, beat their head against the wall, figuring out all, all this stuff. Am I right, John? To get all this stuff ready for you so that we can have this. You have staff working hard. You have the care and prayer team delivering meals and writing notes. You have a Vision 2020 com uh, committee who is researching all the ways to get this facility right for you, doing all the many of that work themselves, hanging decorations, putting together furniture. And friends, I could go on and on and on. I started putting together a list. I said, no, I need to scrap it because I don't have time. I could do a whole sermon on all the people who are contending for you. It's amazing. Yet not I, yet not us, but Christ energizing, working powerfully among us and in us. That's the key. I want to remind you, I've heard it said that we are not in the world for God, but we are in God for the world. Did you catch that? Let's not get the order. We are not in the world for God, but we're in God for the world, in Christ, getting our roots deep in him so that we can be energized to work and contend for his kingdom. Or as Jesus said, we abide in him and we bear much fruit. And this type of, of contending ministry, this is my hope for all of you. Again, one of our values here is every member is a minister. We all have a role to play in fighting for this, the, the church that we all long to be. So I just want to ask, are you fighting? Are you fighting for us? Are you fighting for this community? Are you fighting for your brothers and sisters? We're all called. And I believe when, when you can get a, a pastor and lay leadership and staff and volunteers who will say, I don't care what happens, I'm going to keep on fighting for my brothers and sisters. Oh, watch out, Satan. <laughs> because, because nothing can stop a church like that. Because our roots are intertwined together in Christ. That's the second thing we need, contending for one another in Christ. The third way that we can intertwine our roots together is courageous hearts. Courageous hearts. In chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Now, this word encouraged in heart, uh, William Barclay says that uh, the Greek, some Greek historians, uh, Greek historians used this word in a very interesting and thought-provoking way. There was a Greek regiment uh, which had lost heart and was utterly dejected, and the general sent a leader to talk to the regiment with such purpose and encouragement that they were reborn, and a body of dispirited men became fit again for heroic action. That's what we mean by encourage. And you can even see it in the word, encourage, to put courage in other people, to give other people courage. And I, I believe that a, a church, and I don't believe we're like this, but a, a church that is constantly scared of, oh, what if, will not be a church that thrives. It says, oh, what if we're, what if we're, we're, if we're scared to try new things, if we're, if we're scared of what people might think or say, we will not be able to thrive. And that doesn't mean we don't consider the pros and cons and the challenges. No, of course not. Courage is facing the challenges and the difficulties head on and saying, you know what, I'm going to go forward anyway. On the other hand, discouragement kills ministry. And uh, a lot of people who work in the church, uh, both, both as people vocational ministry and people who just volunteer for the church, uh, they can abandon good ministry. Not because they didn't love what they were doing, not because they weren't gifted at what they were doing, but because 
they died the death of a thousand paper cuts. A thousand little things that just added up over time. The, it wasn't nothing big. It probably wasn't nothing big. It probably wasn't a blowout. It was the, the, the little nitpicks, the little naysayings, the, the little grumbling overheard in the parking lot or foyer. And all of this in an environment where positive encouragement can be so lacking. If you are experiencing lack of support or you find you're finding volunteers is difficult or you don't hear appreciation or encouragement or 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 a thank you very often then all those especially then all those little things it could be nothing big big but when you're in that type of environment it can the discouragement can become overwhelming over time and what happens is some of your best gifted people just stop because they're they're discouraged they're so discouraged they're overwhelmed it's just been a thousand paper cuts over 10 years we don't want that, do we? We don't want that to happen here. You know, and I've, I've, I've said it before, but the gift of encouragement and the ministry of encouragement is so undervalued. It is so undervalued. Oh, the difference it makes when a culture of encouragement is in the church. And that's a way that we fight for one another, to, to let people know, I value you, I appreciate you, I am grateful for you. And and to let them know that they are recognized. In fact, you know what? If you need help, you know what? This may not be my, my area of gifting or passion, but I can tell that you're working so hard for the church, I'll step up anyway. Even though it's not my area, it's not my thing, I'm going to step up anyway because I see how hard you're working, and I want you to continue to thrive. I'm going to fight for you. I'm here for you if you need me. Oh, friends, don't we need people who will come to us and tell us that? Don't you want that for yourself? then let's be that. Let's be that for one another. Be those type of people. Be, put courage into, into others so that they have courageous hearts. And as we do that, as we share that gratitude and that encouragement, our roots will become more and more intertwined. So that's number three. Finally, let me get to number four. The last way I want to point out this morning, to grow deep roots together, we need commitment to life in community. Commitment to life and community. Again, I'm looking at chapter 2, verse 2. Paul says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Paul says, I want you united in love. And this, this means a, a knit together. If Gene Austin can think about the knitting together and what that means, you know what that means. It's that they're all together into one beautiful mosaic. That's what I want for you. And Scott McKnight says, you can tell I'm influenced by his commentary in this message, but he says, to be knit together in love does not mean that they will all be just committed to becoming loving people so much as being committed to one another as a fellowship. Committed to one another as a fellowship. You know, several weeks ago, I was, I was praying, and I was thinking, and honestly, I was doing, I feel like what the Apostle Paul was doing. I was, I was kind of agonizing, to be honest with you. I was agonizing uh, over uh, just the church and, and the future of the church and what's going to happen. And, you know, I get, I get several articles sent to me, you know, what's, what's the, the post-quarantine, what's the post-pandemic church going to be like? And, and all, all these questions started to come to my mind of, of what kind of community are we going to be? We've just gone through the craziest thing. Uh, the, this, it's a revolution that we don't even know the full implications of yet. And I began to wonder, are, you know, are people I love, are they going to come back? 
Will they, will they ever come back in person with us? You know, will li what does live streaming do? Is, will that keep people at home when they could easily be a part of the community? Uh, you know, do we need to uh, keep being at two services in the future? Do we need to go back to one service? And what are the pros and cons of that? And what do we do? And uh, what about our youth ministry? And what about our kids? And I was honestly just agonizing over these questions. And just, I started crying out to the Lord. What do we do? What do we do about all this? And I was praying for the Lord to speak to me about it. And uh, I'll be honest with you, a phrase came to my mind uh, that felt like an epiphany. And as I've shared it with other leaders in the church, I, I believe, I do believe it's the Lord. And the, the, the phrase that came to my mind is, we are not a service to attend. We are a community to belong to. We are not a service to attend. We're a community to belong to. And all the, the worries of, of, of trying to produce these services and online and whatnot. And I said, no, 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 that's not even the goal. We're not, we're not just a, a TV program, as great as it is to watch online. We're not, we're not just a thing you watch online. And even before the pandemic, it's not, we've never been a church that just wants you to come and consume a religious service and then go and be on your way. No, we want you to invite you to be part of a community that supports you and encourages you and loves you and helps you grow. And uh, I've just been reminded that that has tr been true of the, of the capital C Church since 33 AD. But it's also been, I believe, uh, a sticking point for Faith Covenant, that we truly desire to be a community. And so I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray, to pray with me and to prepare with me that this is something that I really hope with our church in conjunction with our church leadership that we would even double down on this all the more as we come out of the pandemic. That we would say, no, 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 it's, it's not just about the service. It's about doing everything we can to foster community among us. How can we, be, how can we belong together? How can we be one big family together? And it's something that we're going to have to think through very intentionally of how do we develop the right rhythms and practices and schedule to form a community that lives in Christ together. Now, I think most Christians, they want community. Everybody wants community. We love community. And we just hope that we stumble into the right place and find it. But I've heard it said, friends, community is not just found. It's formed. You can't just find community. It's formed over time, over relationships, over a schedule, over a rhythm, over practices. And this, this happens week after week, year after year, as the roots grow and more and more connected. And uh, I've said this in jest to some of our older members at our church, and really not that old, but some of the people who've been here a while, uh, and they've said, yeah, I've gone to this church 30, 40 years, and I tell them, you're my inspiration. You're my inspiration because I see the value. I've seen the roots that have kept you connected to a community and I know it hasn't been easy. I know there's been difficulties over several decades. But you've said, oh, come hell or high water, I'm fighting for this place. I'm staying at this place because I so dearly love the community. And so I believe we can take some of our, our, our longtime members here and say, you are a model for how we can grow deep roots as we commit to being a fellowship over time. It takes practice. It takes time. It takes a schedule. Now, friends, I actually had a few more C words 
that I wanted to use, but I believe it is wise to pause here and give you no more uh, <laughs> and let you meditate on these, on these four. How do we develop deeper roots in Christ? Let's be centered on the word, contending for one another, courageous hearts, commitment to life in community. And I just want to ask you, there's a lot you could take from this, but what is one thing? What is one thing that you could do to build deeper roots in this community? Perhaps for you, it's you, you, you're motivated now to, to join the Bible reading plan and find a friend to, to, to text and discuss it with. Perhaps it's finding a place to regularly serve and be a part of the ministries. Perhaps it's you're saying, you know what, I'm going to take up the mantle of encouragement. I'm going to start encouraging people as best as I can. Um, or maybe some of you, it's just, you know what, I'm recommitted to living in community with the church, however that looks. What's one thing you can do to put into action even this week? Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let's, friends, let's be like those sequoias, sending our roots out to one another, letting them intertwine so that we can stay rooted in Christ no matter what comes. May we grow deeply rooted in Christ together. Amen.